Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two on the triple rule out. And we left last time, we spoke about some of the reasons why a triple rule out is a good idea, some of the challenges, but now let's look at things from a technical perspective. Challenges, it's a larger volume to scan. With a coronary, you do about 60% of the chest. With a uh, triple rule out, you're doing about 100%. It's a longer breath hold, could be twice as long. It's an increased radiation dose to the patient. And the challenge, of course, is we need two good vascular beds, the pulmonary arteries as well as the aorta and coronaries, to be opacified. And typically, they optimize their opacification about 10 to 12 seconds apart, with the pulmonary arteries, of course, being earlier. And then also from a radiologist's perspective, there's a lot of images to interpret. Well, let's talk about how to do the study. What about non-contrast CTs? And then how do we acquire the uh, vascular component of the exam? And what, if any, is the role of delayed phase imaging? Well, if you're looking for uh, coronaries only, we typically do non-contrast to get a calcium score. If you're looking for dissection, you typically do non-contrast because you're worried about an intramural hematoma. An intramural hematoma may be only seen or best seen on the non-contrast CT, as in this example. And you can see the intramural hematoma best when you narrow the window. But once you give contrast, it can be a little bit trickier to see. Look how obvious it is because you're comparing the high-density intramural hematoma to a non-contrast opacified aorta, while on the right, you're comparing it to the um, aorta, which is opacified. You also see a small ulceration, which is how you develop that intramural hematoma, which is, again, nicely seen on the coronal view. Another example, descending aorta, high-density intramural hematoma. Again, easy to see on non-contrast CT. You can measure difference in density. Um, it's much harder to see once you give contrast. Yes, there is a differential density, but one could say, well, perhaps this is simply thrombus that's high density. Maybe it's not intramural hematoma. So it can be tricky. Intramural hematomas can be extensive. You can see in this example. Most patients with intramural hematomas are managed conservatively, and so that's why it's a very important diagnosis in many cases. This article by Cruz, detailed evaluation of intramural hematoma with CT, can provide critical prognostic information with implications for patient management. So you've done a non-contrast, and perhaps you see, or perhaps you don't see an intramural hematoma. What exactly do you do at that point? Well, it's kind of simple. Now we need to do the contrast-enhanced scans. So how do you do it? Well, I think a little bit depends on your site and what you feel comfortable with. A test bolus, bolus tracking, or preset delay can all be used. And preset delays are not bad if you're doing a younger patient simply for the patient's aorta. But as you start doing triple rule-outs, you either need to do a test bolus or bolus tracking. And that will depend on what you like. In our experience, if we're doing thoracic aorta only, then we're doing bolus tracking. If we're doing a coronary CTA, then we're doing a test bolus. The advantage of a test bolus is the patient gets a feel of how the study is going to be done, so it's very helpful in that regard. Now, the reason you time things is you don't want to end up with this case, 
where all the contrast is in the patient's right side of the heart and you want to look at the coronary arteries because you basically have a non-contrast CT. You see evidence of calcified plaque in the LAD but you see very little else and there's no opacification of the patient's ascending aorta. Now you could see if this was a pulmonary embolism study it would be great timing. And that's one of the challenges when you're doing triple rule out. Now when you monitor with bolus tracking, you pick a point typically in the patient's um, ascending aorta, and then it works very nicely. Now, depending on the study, you could do ascending aorta, or you could do descending aorta. You pick a trigger point that is dependent a little bit on the scanner you have. The faster our scanner, the higher trigger point, because we know we're going to scan faster. If it's a slower scanner, then you use a lower trigger point. For thoracic aorta, perhaps a 64 slice would have a trigger of 180, while a dual source would have a trigger of about 250 to 280. Also, the faster the injection uh, will impact on your trigger points. So again, you want to become comfortable with one of these techniques. I think it's very important to be consistent in how you do the studies. Now, in looking at the studies, volume of contrast will be dependent on the specificity of what you're trying to do. If you were doing coronaries only, you're in the 70 cc range. When you're doing triple rule out, you're closer to 120. Depending on the patient's BUN and creatinine and history, we'll choose Omni 350 or Visipeg 320. We will always use Visipeg 320 when we're doing the coronaries because that gives you a, a much better uh, chance of having a good study. There's no change in the patient's heart rate with Visipeg compared to uh, other agents. We typically like an 18 gauge or a 20 gauge if you have one of the newer uh, type needles by B&D. Uh, but again, you want to make certain that you can inject at least 5 cc's a second. We typically use a saline chaser of 20 to 50 cc's to clear out the right side of the heart when doing coronaries or to at least clear out the line to make maximum use of contrast when you're doing a triple rule out. Now, in general, when you speak about the uh, thoracic aorta, you talk about gated versus non-gated studies. Now, when you're doing the coronary arteries, there's no question. You have to gate the studies. When you're not doing coronaries, if you're doing a gated study versus non-gated for aortic dissection, the advantage of a gated study always is there's less motion artifact, and so you would not confuse things in the aortic route, so you're not going to over or underdiagnose a type A dissection. And you also can get routinely good visualization not only of the coronary arteries, but of the aortic valves. The main disadvantage, and really the only key disadvantage of gaining a study is the fact that there's increased radiation dose due to the slower pitch of acquisition. But again, the errors. This case was sent to us for a patient with a dissection type A. You see the line. In truth, you see it really goes through the aorta. But this patient was up in surgery. They did an echo. They couldn't find the dissection. And the coronals even suggest there is a dissection present. But again, look at that line in the patient's left atrium. Um, yes, it's confusing. But when you went back and you redid the study, this was just an artifact. So you will not have an issue with these pseudo dissections if you do a gated acquisition. Nice example of a dilated aortic root. You can see the coronary arteries. You can see the uh, sort of uh, appearance of a tulip commonly associated with processes like Marfan's. You get very nice dilatation of the sinus of El Salva. In this example, 
when you go through the plane along the aortic route, you can get very nice visualization of the aortic valve leaflets defining bicuspid versus tricuspid valve. There's a normal valve in this case. Or in this patient with a markedly dilated ascending aorta, when you choose the right plane, you're able to not only look at the root and the sinus of Valsalva, but then cut directly through the aortic valve, and in this case, show very nicely the patient's bicuspid aortic valve. So technique is indeed everything. Now I mentioned that when you compare triple rule-outs to a simple coronary, there are challenges from the larger volume, longer breath hold, and radiation dose, but the most critical thing to me is this ability to try to get two good studies yet that aren't exactly timed perfectly. And the worst thing you'd want to do is to have three bad studies. So when I talk about that, what am I, what am I really saying? Here's a very nice chart. And you can see in the normal patient, the peak for pulmonary artery is probably around 13 to 15 seconds. And for the patient's uh, coronary aorta, it's more like about 22 seconds. So there's about a 10 second to 12 second gap where you need to basically overlap and it's not perfect one or the other. So for example, that's a great PE study. Perfect visualization of main and the branch vessels. But look at the aorta. There's no or minimal opacification of the aorta. It's a terrible aorta study. And you can see why. The contrast is early. There it is in the SVC into the pulmonary arteries. Great look at the pulmonary arteries. But you need to have both the pulmonary arteries as well as the aorta and coronary arteries. Another example. Here's a good case. Now you see good opacification of the ascending and descending aorta. At the same time, there's good opacification of the pulmonary arteries, and you can see pulmonary emboli in both the right and left lower lung zone. Another example, triple rule out, pulmonary emboli in the lower lung region. So one of the things I look carefully at is making sure we have the best study that can answer all the questions. If I need to favor one part of the study, I'll favor the part that involves the coronary arteries. You have a little bit more leeway in looking at the pulmonary arteries and, of course, more leeway in looking at the aorta. But if the coronary arteries are not good, you're going to have a problem. And so in this case, very nice example showing you the patient's pulmonary emboli nicely seen. Now, one can argue, and I won't discuss it at any length, about small pulmonary emboli incidentally detected on the non-coronary or non-triple rule-out studies or even on triple rule-out studies. The question is, do you need to treat those patients? And I think at the end of the day, people always question what to do, but always do end up treating the patients. So it's indeed a challenge. But again, our job is to find the PEs. I think a little more science will determine in many cases how to manage the patient. Now, if you go back to this graph, we need to have enough contrast coming in that we are continuing to opacify the pulmonary arteries while we're getting good opacification of the aorta. And you can see a beautiful example in this case uh, where you can see good opacification of all of the structures. If you measure the specific density, it's over 400 Hounsfield units in both the ascending and descending aorta and pulmonary emboli. So again, the importance of having continued contrast 
entering the patient. Again, the ability to wash out contrast with a saline chaser has to be diminished because if you wash out the right side of the heart, you're not going to be able to diagnose pulmonary emboli. When you're doing just a coronary, you try to wash out the right side of the heart. You can't do that. And again, one of the challenges with continued inflow of contrast into the SVC is the potential of artifact off the dense contrast material. So going back to the triple rule out, again, performing two or three quality exams in one CT acquisition is indeed a challenge. Some of the solutions and challenges is the ability to really increase the contrast volume or decrease the injection rate are the things people typically have worked on to have a longer injection so that instead of the pulmonary arteries washing out, they're still being opacified. At the same time, you're getting opacification of the aorta. We talk about flash acquisition, so it's a very fast acquisition with a high pitch to minimize contrast volumes by decreasing, decreasing the scan times. Uh, people have also spoken about split bolus with a second bolus having lower injection rates and volumes. Uh, again, people talk about a second volume of contrast with the contrast volume being diluted, let's say 70 to 30 contrast to saline for longer injection, but not to increase the contrast volume. When we talk about a triple rule out, just some technical points that haven't changed. Scanning is from above the heart, above the arch, uh, through the base of the heart. In this article by Halpern, a little older scanner, 64 slice, they, the way they did the study, injection with a biphasic injection, 70 ml iodine 350 followed by 50 of diluted contrast and um, they found their studies were, were adequate this article by Romani and Charlie White again going back to the 64 slice era spoke about the challenge of triple rule outs but felt that it would be useful and you can see here was their protocol increasing the volume and stretching out the injection and giving the saline only very late or this article by Schertler, which talked about triple rule out uh, and the ability to get an excellent study, and here was their protocol. So I think one of the things to recognize, you really have to modify the protocol to your scanner. Here's from the Siemens sessions online on the definition scanner talking about volume and flow rate, which are both pretty high, or here it is from the GE website talking about how they did the study and how they would split the bolus. Then with this light speed, talking again about volumes and injection rates. So it's very important to really be able to modify the protocol specifically for your scanner. So going back, let's circle around. Halpern's original articles, goal of triple rule out in the ER is to facilitate the safe and rapid discharge of patients judged to be of low to intermediate risk of acute coronary syndrome. In this article by Becker, um, the uh, triple rule out could be used, and again, life-threatening causes of chest pain, such as dissection, PE, can be simultaneously assessed with a single scan, referred to as a triple rule out. With appropriate patient selection, cardiac CT can accurately diagnose heart disease or other cause of chest pain, markedly decreasing healthcare costs, and reliably predicting clinical outcomes. So that's really the best of all worlds. Article by Rader, again, uh, or Matter, did make the point uh, 
about triple rule outs, some of the challenges. Uh, they were not quite as positive in terms of its usefulness. Uh, compared with cardiac CT, the triple rule out was associated with higher dose, greater incidence of subsequent emergency center evaluations, and more downstream PE protocol CT angiography. So again, it's somewhat controversial. Again, another article, Rogers, although triple rule out protocol might be helpful in the evaluation of select patients, these findings suggest that it should not be used routinely with the expectation that it will improve efficiency or reduce resource use. Now again, the articles that tend to be a little bit more negative tend to be the older articles. Um, this article by Alfred, 2015, although triparula may be a value in selected patients, its indiscriminate use is not warranted. The appropriate use of triparula needs to be further defined. So again, there is lots of interest in how we can optimize this. In that article, Alfred made the point that you should consider triple rule out when clinical features and initial lab data raise concerns for obstructive coronary artery disease and PE or aortic disease. So again, they try to create this algorithm where you put patients into three different categories, high, intermediate, and low. They commented on some of the issues with radiation dose. They also commented that, uh, again, it's somewhat of a challenge. 97% of triple rule out studies show neither aortic dissection nor PE, which goes back to some of the earlier articles as well, that the most common thing we see in a triple rule out study is coronary artery disease. So again, we need to make certain the clinician is aware of specifically what is going on in the patient and only use the study in the correct circumstance. Triple rule out with associated with a 45% higher frequency of non-diagnostic image quality compared with coronary CTA. And again, that would be the biggest concern. If by doing a triple rule out, you got three bad studies, that is going to be problematic. And again, patient cooperation, the ability to scan larger volumes, and the need to analyze all become somewhat difficult. Um, in a large registry, Alfred goes on to say triple rule out was associated with a slightly higher diagnostic yield for P and aortic dissection compared with coronary CTA, particularly in the ED, and was used more often in younger patients. And again, um, they discuss the importance of clinical criteria for triple rule out use, and I think that is one of the things that people are looking at. Can you create specific rules to that? Uh, and again, Providers should be able to, in most cases, decide whether they need to rule out coronary disease, P, or a dissection and order the right study, not to order a uh, cafeteria plan where we rule out everything on everybody. So, again, it's something we can do, but it's, the question is, is it something we should do? And Hollander goes on to say, until we know that triple rule out at least meets that bar, we should probably avoid the extra contrast and radiation that go along with it. Let's use the right test for the right patient rather than a one test fits all approach. So there is some controversy. I will tell you at Hopkins we do use triple rule out. I do find it to be helpful, clinicians find it to be helpful in certain select groups of patients where it's difficult to really triage them. So now with our fast scanners, it can be done successfully with modification of protocols. It can be used successfully in a select population with a differential diagnosis for acute chest pain is nonspecific. 
Radiation dose is a consideration, so it's best used in older patients, and is best used in newer scanners, which really can reduce dose. And again, probably most importantly, is that triple rule-out should not replace clinical judgment in your patient. It should not be, let's get a study that rules out everything because we can get it. Let's order the right study. If the right study is a coronary CTA, that's great. If the right study is not getting a study, that's great. And if the right study is a triple rule-out, learn how to do it correctly. And with that, I'll stop there and thank everybody for their attention. And see you next time.